Some people might say, yeah, they were lucky, but that's all part of the game. There was just a lot of close games, and I think it was more or less our chemistry that brought us a lot of those wins. And don't know how it happened, but I ended up mooning the bus. Hey y'all, welcome back to 123 Wildcats. This is episode 7. We are not quite to the fourth quarter of our show, but we're definitely in the second half. In the late stages of games in 1997, East Chapel Hill's boys basketball team often found itself in tight contests. That's what this episode is about. The close victories that defined the Wildcats' regular season, the postseason escapes, that sent them to the Class 3A state championship game against Hickory on March 22nd, 1997. In a single elimination format, just about every team on a championship run has a close call. Duke in 2001 was behind by 22 points in the first half of a Final Four game. As I said before, Maryland couldn't have had a better opponent for them in the Final Four, a team that has a great reputation, but a team that they have played well all year long and think they can beat. North Carolina in 2005 nearly didn't make it to the Final Four. The Tar Heels escaped an upset bid by Villanova in the Sweet 16. True to their word, Villanova was not intimidated. True to form, their defense was stifling, holding the high-scoring heels to just 29 first-half points. And no Wolfpack fan will ever forget all the close games NC State had in 1983. The cold and cardiac kids, Cinderella team. Coach Valvano knew that they were playing like a dream. Rebound, long shot, slam dunk, we shut the door. In 1995, UCLA almost didn't make it out of Boise in the second round. The Bruins went on to win the NCAA title, but they trailed Missouri with less than five seconds left before Tyus Edney came to the rescue. One last try for the Bruins of UCLA to get into the Sweet 16. Knocked out last year in the first round by Tulsa. They don't want to lose this one. Edney going the distance. The circumstances for East Chapel Hill in 1997 weren't quite the same, but there were some similarities. East Chapel Hill certainly lived on the edge in the regular season and the playoffs. East Chapel Hill has won 13 games this year by six points or less, including a six-overtime game. Whoa. As someone that now coaches basketball, I also recognized there's lots of teams that work really hard, and it takes a lot of hard work and practice and things to go right, but and it takes a little bit of luck. It's just one of those things that, especially for a first-year school, it's pretty, pretty crazy that all those things kind of fell into place. That was East Chapel Hill's Andy Jones. He and the Wildcats were competitors for sure, but they were also teenagers living in the moment. Close games did not seem to phase them. In fact, they seemed to thrive on not feeling the pressure. Here's the News and Observer's Tim Stevens. They were young enough and inexperienced enough 
that sometimes you think that's a hindrance. Well, I think in this case, it may have been a plus. It was kind of a loosey-goosey kind of team all year as far as pressure and this type of thing. That looseness certainly translated to kind of acting their ages on those bus rides home from road winds. They had long bus rides, sometimes from as far away as Halifax County. Regarding those bus trips, here's my conversation with Cooper Healy. I have been told that, and I don't know who the, was the ringleader, maybe it was Fitz, maybe it was Paul, maybe it was someone else, that coming home on the bus from games, there were like rap contests or something like that. But I don't, I don't know what the scene was like. So tell me about that. So Avery Sykes, he is a phenomenal lyricist, lyricist uh, beat composer, and he has several CDs or albums, albums that are out. And the group, the core, was kind of enthralled with this this rapping um, phenomenon. phenomenon. So we, so, and I'm trusting you to edit here accordingly. So, you know, when we lost games, we were definitely down in the dumps. But when we won games, we were super ecstatic and emotional in the opposite extreme. On these road games, Avery would start up a beat. come in with a, an even deeper bass line and then it would just flow. Brian would step up, kind of grab the mic, so to speak, bust out some lines, pass it over to Brad. He would fill in, give it over to Paul, and then it would just kind of pass it around the bus. It was a moment for, for guys. Maybe we didn't even get in the game. There were times where I never even got in the game, but then when the mic was passed to me, it was kind of my moment to shine. I've worked really hard. I've been running the same sprint, same sprint that everybody else has, so this is kind of my moment with the team. It kind of sounds cliche, but I, I wanted to rap as best as I could. <laughs> you know? I don't think that sounds cliche at all. <laughs> <laughs> Not to put the spotlight on myself, but Avery had somehow this evolved where he had this chant come up where it was C-O-O-P-E-R-Keely C-O-O-P-E-R-Keely and everybody kind of just joined in with that and of course you're changing my name this is my moment to shine this is my calling so I kind of uh, just jumped up and started dancing started coming up with this with my groove my moves while my name was being chanted, getting completely caught up in the moment. Every away game, we would end up winning. So I had another C-O-O-P-E-R moment on the bus, and it ended up turning into this montage of dance moves that progressed from every away game victory to, at some point, I was starting off doing the robot, I was doing the Egyptian head move, followed up by a spin move, doing whatever I could to just enjoy the moment. It got to a point where I was starting to run out of moves. Right, you guys won a lot of road games. Well, we started winning a lot, so I started running out of my moves. And don't know how it happened, but I ended up moving the bus. Uh, showing the shiny hiney out to just, you can imagine the ruckus that ensued after that. 
and falling back into my seat, just laughing hysterically. They were loose probably because they went into the season with no expectation of success. No real standard to live up to. I guess you could also say since they knew, for none of them, was it their last season since there were no seniors in the school, therefore they all knew they had something to come back to, that maybe they didn't ever feel that urgency. I asked East Chapel Hill sixth man, Eric Henderson, about how the Wildcats approached that season. You guys are just, you're a bunch of 14 to 16 year olds. Do you have any expectation for how that season's going to go? No, not at all. I mean, no clue. Just seemed like another basketball season. Um, I think when it really hit, like, wow, we're something, was when we beat, there was some team, it was regular season, but it was some team that was number one in the state, South Vance, North Vance. I, I can't remember who it was, but we ended up beating them. And that's when it was like, wow, this is something, this could be something special. It's easy to see why Henderson might confuse Northern Vance and Southern Vance. The Wildcats played both teams multiple times, Northern Vance twice and Southern Vance three times. Southern Vance did come into the Wildcats gym ranked number one by the Associated Press in the team's first meeting, which East Chapel Hill won 67-57 on January 31st. Northern Vance also had a good team that season, and when the Wildcats played Northern Vance on February 14th, the game went six overtimes. Nobody scored, not either team, in the first five overtimes. Northern Vance insisted on playing a zone defense. East Chapel Hill wanted to play against a man-to-man. The day after the game, Wilton Basket, yes, that is the name of the Northern Vance coach, Wilton Basket, he told me a day later, we were back in our zone and he wasn't going to play it. It was not in our best interest to come out. So they held the ball and we looked at him. It was a battle of wills and I guess he won out. If East Chapel Hill won the tip at the start of each overtime, Jones would hold the ball up near the half court line while Northern Vance just sat back. Were you just bored out of your skull just standing there holding the ball? No, because I think the crowd made that fun. And uh, I don't know if you were at that game, but anytime somebody passed the ball, you know, the crowd would be, you'd yell out, you know, Andy, and he'd pass it to Paul, and the crowd would go, Paul. So it's kind of like this fun, you know, waiting game. And we had control of the game, too, right? So we're just, we're just holding the ball, passing it around, kind of having fun with it, you know, taking the last shot. When East Chapel Hill emerged with a 56-53 victory, keyed by a three-pointer by Andy Jones, hmm, the Wildcats had a record of 16-4. and four. Those kind of games kind of showed, you know, perseverance. Like, okay, we're pretty good. We've got some some good pieces. And I think that six overtime game was really, it wasn't pretty. But, it, you know, it was something that, like, we hung in there. Those are the words of East Chapel Hill's Avery Stites. As much as the game meant about the Wildcats' scrappiness and resolve, it actually had deeper meaning for the rest of their season. The win secured the regular season conference title, that's the Crescent 3A Conference, and that league's top spot in the 3A state playoffs. The Wildcats would go on to win their final two games, 
finishing Crescent 3A play with a 10-0 record. Next up was the conference tournament, which was the only time all season East Chapel Hill lost to a 3A opponent. East Chapel Hill led Southern Vance by 7 points with about a minute and 20 seconds left, but lost to the Raiders. East Chapel Hill was a little bit sloppy with some of its chances to put it away, and they did not enter the playoffs on a win streak. There's a great quote by Hartsfield. He said, we've been winning close games all year. Uh, if we're going to lose, I'm glad we, we got it out of the way before the state tournament. So I guess that's prescient. That was Bruce Margulies, a writer who covered the team more than anyone that first season. In the playoffs, nothing is guaranteed, even if it's set up for the higher seeds to play home games in the early rounds. East Chapel Hill actually received a bye in the first round of the state playoffs, so it did not have to play. And then in the second round, it had a home game against Hertford County High School. That game was fairly close, but East Chapel Hill held on to win. A high-scoring game for them, 77-70. to That game was not without its tense moments. It showed the Wildcats that games in the playoffs were just different than the regular season. Hertford County scored 12 consecutive points to start the third quarter, putting East Chapel Hill in a 42-37 hole. Coach Hartsfield got a timeout to settle the guys down. It was Henderson who was key to the outcome. He played heavy minutes with Chris Hobbs in foul trouble. Henderson hit four of four free throws in the final 45 seconds to seal the victory. Then in the third round, they played a home game against Wilson Bedingfield. In episode four, there was a player you heard from named John Green who talked about showing up and thinking that the game against East Chapel Hill was going to be easy based on what he saw. And then that first no-look pass by Andy Jones changed his opinion. Well, it was not an easy game for either team. It was a very close game. The music was loud. I mean, it was clear it was a new gym, so the speaker system was good. But I remember it being loud and all the kids just like jumping up and down and chanting and just being a great student section. And I I wasn't expecting that. And I don't even know if it was brought to our attention how that their first year, I think it was just they didn't have any seniors was the only thing that was kind of talked about. You don't you don't want to, you know, downplay any opponent. So by saying first year that this school opened might have been a – uh, something that the coach didn't want to say. I want to say that I remember Hobbs being at the foul line a few times. I think we were kind of putting him on the line being a freshman. Chris Hobbs was at the free throw line late with East Chapel Hill holding a slim lead. He had rebounded a free throw miss by Andy Jones and gotten fouled with about five seconds left. Jones had hit one of two free throws to break a tie at 39. Chris Hobbs also made one of two free throws, giving the Wildcats a 41-39 lead. Then came a game-deciding play. Bettingfield advanced the ball down the court to a player on the left wing, right in front of the Bruins bench. Green and then Hartsfield share their recall of the play. Garrison Harris uh, was a senior. He was the quarterback of the football team was a probably a small forward for us and he got a shot down in the corner 
and we give it to him. And, and, you know, most shooters will take like a little rocker step back. You know, as he stepped back, he shoots a three, knocks the three down. We're, you know, you're looking, it's loud. They're cheering. Shot goes up from the corner, goes in. But the referee called that his, his heel stepped on the sideline. For that first couple of seconds, you're thinking, we just took the lead. And then instead, they're waving it off, giving them the game. So that was pretty heartbreaking to lose that way. They pushed the ball up court. They got a kid open on the wing. They throw it ahead to him. He stops and pops. He caught it, dribbled a couple of times, and pops a three. And everybody in the world thinks they've got the lead. But as I'm watching him go, I see his left foot hit the sidelines. And so did the official. After the shot went in, they over there jumping up and down. He comes and blows his whistle. Wildcats were headed to the Eastern Regional. They were one of eight teams left in the state. East Chapel Hill was matched in the regional semifinal against Ragsdale High School out of Jamestown in Guilford County. The other regional semifinal was Wake Forest Rollsville against Jacksonville White Oak. Coach Hartsfield wanted his players to have some feel for shooting in a college-size arena. What are your recollections of the practice you had at Cameron Indoor Stadium? Now, how'd you find out about that? Uh, come on, Coach. I- I'm a reporter. I mean, you know, it only took me, what, 25 years to uncover that? I've asked Mr. Sherlock Holmes to come here. What? Sherlock Holmes? This isn't a case for a private detective. It's a matter of state. In this emergency... Well, you know, Tommy Amaker is a friend. It was actually before regionals. I asked those guys, have you ever played in a stadium like Menjie's before? And they said, not really. Not a game with a crowd. And it, just the open air of it. Uh, so I called Tommy up and said, listen, uh, can you get me in? Uh, no one will ever know. Can you get me in? I wanted to do it before the regional started. So he got me in you know, for one practice that night. We took the guys over there and we practiced for a couple of hours before we went and played Ragsdale. Team manager Dave Erntman was the guy who wore a Lucky Duke shirt to all of East Chapel Hill's postseason games that season. So he was the most excited member of the traveling party to Durham a day or two before the Wildcats played in the regional. I think Hartsfield had talked to Coach K and cleared it. When we got there, Tommy Amaker was actually outside at his Jeep and his hands were full. And so he handed me his uh, suits to carry in or, or some sort of dry cleaning bag. We started putting up shots immediately. And I was the first one to hit a three pointer, which is what, just what I wanted to do. I took in Tommy Amaker's clothes. We got inside. I was in heaven because there was on Cameron Indoor Stadium, so it was absolutely fantastic for me. In the regional, the 3A games were played on Thursday, March 13th, the opening day of the NCAA tournament. While North Carolina held off 16-seed Fairfield in Winston-Salem to pull Dean Smith even with Kentucky's Adolph Rupp on the Division I men's basketball victory list, White Oak survived in triple overtime against Wake Forest Rollsville and East Chapel Hill had a struggle of its own against Ragsdale. You need a little bit of luck to go with uh, a good basketball team to to win a state championship. Yeah, you definitely do need some luck, and that actually reminds me of the Ragsdale game. Do you remember that game? Oh, yeah. We easily should have lost that game. 
Here's what Andy Jones meant by that. East Chapel Hill came into the game ranked number seven in the final AP poll of the year. Ragsdale was unranked. The state poll was a top 10 only, but the Tigers were 19 and eight and certainly no slouch. Their season got off to a slow start because several key players, including guard Remy Awolowo, who averaged 20 and a half points a game, were playing football into mid-December. Ragsdale was the Class 3A runner-up in football to Daniel Willis, Ty Hunt, and Hickory. Ragsdale leaned on strong inside play from David Shook, a powerful senior who went on to the U.S. Air Force Academy and later was an all-conference performer at UNC Greensboro, where he was a teammate of one Brian Fitzgerald on a UNCG team that made the NCAA tournament. David Shook was tough for East Chapel Hill to stop that night. He hit 11 of 15 shots and scored 27 points. The rest of Ragsdale's lineup hit 10 of 27 shots. To say East Chapel Hill was fortunate to win that game, I'm not even sure that's strong enough. Consider this. East Chapel Hill scored 37 first half points, somehow managed to score 13 in the second half, but still won. The third quarter was just very un-Wildcat-like. Six points, seven turnovers in eight minutes. My impression? That's when the gravity of the moment got to them. Maybe for the first time all year. No, we were up at halftime, and we sort of held the lead for a while, but then David Shook just went on a tear, and, and he kept making shot after shot after shot. This is East Chapel Hill's Paul Kindom. So it was coming down to crunch time. There was 45 seconds on the clock or, or so. I remember driving to the basket, and I made the shot. So I made a layup, basically, uh, but they called a charge. So that, that one hurt, but Ragsdale came down after that, uh, ended up turning the ball over. So we had you know another possession with still some time on the clock. We didn't have to rush it. Fortunately enough, I got the ball, and I remember taking another shot. I drove again to the basket, uh, but this time I hit sort of a floater that went in to, to put us up by one. That shot, the Wildcats' first points in more than four minutes, put them in front 50 to 49 with 12 seconds left. Yeah, that was a very conscious decision that I was not going to run over somebody again. I wasn't even going to come close to that. Ragsdale missed the front end of a one and one with seven seconds left. The Tigers then got a turnover by East Chapel Hill with five seconds left, but Aaron Glass missed an open 14-footer at the buzzer. Final, 50-49, Wildcats. Another game of many where uh, we came out on the right side of, of things. <laughs> White Oak had been ranked number one in the state in the final AP Bowl of the season. The White Oak roster included future NFL player Quincy Monk, who played linebacker at North Carolina. It also had two other Division I college players, Hampton's Mackle Purvis and Campbell's Bobby Jones. White Oak coach Greg Grantham had heard plenty about East Chapel Hill and most of it was to not take the Wildcats lightly. I felt like we had a pretty good scouting report on them. 
everybody I talked to warned me, you know, don't let you or your players be lulled to sleep when they warm up because <laughs> when they come out and start warming up, they're not going to look like a whole lot. So don't, you know, don't, don't let that fool you into any false sense of security. He told his team not to take the Wildcats lightly, and apparently that's precisely what they did. I tried to warn my guys of that, but I, I think it, it happened nonetheless. Cause, uh, and again, not taking anything away from them, they were very talented. You know, they didn't get off the bus looking like a team that you were going to be intimidated by, if I can say that with the utmost respect for their team. East Chapel Hill led 24-15 at halftime and 42-26 after three quarters against the number one team in the state. Brian Fitzgerald led the way with 19 points and 11 rebounds. He was like a double-double machine. That will serve as my weekly shout-out to our executive producer. Paul Kindom was the regional MVP, finishing with 18 points on 7 of 9 shooting as East Chapel Hill won 62-54. The Wildcats made 15 of 20 shots from the floor in the second half. They were very skilled, they were very well coached. They played together really well. The victory meant that the Wildcats were coming home. Of course, not to play in their own gym, but to play in the spacious Dean Smith Center in Chapel Hill. Their opponent would be Hickory High School. When the Wildcats walked out of Minji's Coliseum that evening, they were one week away from playing in the state championship. A big deal for sure, but they were the second most talked about team from Chapel Hill that day. Also on March 15th, Dean Smith moved past Rupp on the NCAA victory list as the Tar Heels beat Colorado in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Still, what Ray Hartsfield and the Wildcats were doing was pretty incredible. In the next episode, we will put that heady stuff in perspective. We've got voices of experience talking about the improbability of a first-year non-senior boys basketball team competing for a state title. The fourth quarter is about to begin on one, two, three, Wildcats! Trivia time. Last week, I asked about a different school with a first-year state championship in the 1990s. In 1993-94, the first year that Leesville Road High School in Raleigh was open, it won a state championship. In what sport did Leesville Road win that title? The answer is swimming. This week's question. East Chapel Hill in 1996-97 played in a conference called the Crescent 3A. But that school year was the end of an NCHSAA four-year realignment period. What was the name of the conference the Wildcats played in the next year? Hit us up on Twitter. uh, Send me an email. You can find the ways to do that on our show notes page. You can also call into the Wildcats hotline, 919-867-1319. Thanks for listening to 123 Wildcats. Wildcats. Hey, this is Lavelle Moten, and you're listening to 123 Wildcat. Wildcat. Wildcat.